Um, affordability. So, yeah, we're going to talk about affordability. Uh, we've um, talked about it a little bit before, but now we're going to concentrate more on the fact of how we can make Toronto more affordable or how or what the government is really doing, which I, I honestly don't know what the government's doing. Every I think every article that comes out, I'm more confused. I get it. The Toronto real estate market is confusing. Whether you're a new or experienced investor or just looking for a home to raise your family in, join us at Broadview Table Talks as you sit around the table with my friends and talk about the real estate and the ever-changing market in Toronto. Everyone, welcome to another edition of Broadview Table Talks. <laughs> I can tell you what's happening in the Bank of Canada. Yeah, I mean, it, it's part of it, right? Yeah, it's all part of it. So uh, federally, the Bank of Canada, it's supposed to be an independent um, organization, I guess. It's not supposed to be governed by the current uh, politics and power, whether it's left wing, right wing, whatever. It's just supposed to be completely independent and, and um, you know, enacted by the Queen, I think. There's a governor or whatever. Anyway, yeah. so um, they're setting the interest rates because they think that Inflation is going through the roof, as we all know, mm-hmm. trying to kill house prices. And everybody thought there's no way they're going to hurt house prices because, you know, it's a big part of our economy and it's people's wealth and you're eroding all that. And guess what? It's happening because the worst thing that could happen, even worse, is having inflation just go through the roof and nothing's affordable anymore and nobody can afford to get anything. Right. It just further exasperates the 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 divide between, you know, the wealth gap, I guess. Right. Mm-hmm. And when all the jobs were shut down and during COVID, really what happened was the low wage, wage earners, the w- people working hourly, things like that, right? They're the ones who got shut out of jobs and they got served and all that. But like, you know, at the time, you know, people who had jobs like us, we were fine because life kind of went on, right? Yeah, we made exactly. do with Zoom and, you know, masking and like online only appointments and things like that. And business still got done. So wealth mm-hmm. still got transferred and we all still had jobs. But the people working hourly in service industries and things like that got shut out. And typically those are renters. And they're the ones who really suffered the most. So now it's kind of their turn to shine mm-hmm. in a sense, right? Even though rents are going up, wage inflation is going up as well too. So the asset owners are the ones suffering. Um, now the problem is it's not going to change anything with housing affordability, in my opinion. Like what's going to happen there, right? Rent's going to go up. Investors are going to come back and invest more because it's a good time to buy. Right now, asset prices are coming down, sure, right? But if you think about it, there's people that still have to move. And uh, the people that don't have to move, they're okay. They're kind of just waiting on the side. They don't really have to move right away, you know? Right. Like a lot of them, their motivation kind of like went down a little bit. And they're like, you know what? I'll just wait. I'll just rent for the time being. exactly. Yeah, or or they just won't sell, right? It's kind of like a stock loss, right? Like if you're losing a lot in the stock market, then what do you do? You can either buy more or you just wait. Or you just don't <laughs> wait sell. It out. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Don't sell. You don't have to realize those losses, right? Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like the real estate market. You don't have to move if you don't have to. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, we have some clients right now stuck in that situation, right, where it's not selling and they got to make a decision if they want to rent it out again and wait till next time around. So some clients are faster to make that decision. Some are slower just because of other factors, right? They need the equity to buy a bigger house to actually live in for exactly. the investment properties. Yep. So life continues to go on and still will, tra- will be transactions being done. But ultimately, a lot of people that are sellers don't have to sell. So that's why prices are generally a little stickier and they usually stay higher because you don't have to, right? And obviously, there's people that will have to sell and those are the ones that will transact. So volume is going to go down a little bit for sure. Um, so it will make prices a little lower in the me- in the short term. But in the long run, I think it's still going to go up because we have, you know, 450,000 
Canadians or new Canadians coming to the country. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's just going to be like a gradual increase instead of like just a crazy hike that was happening the past couple of years. I don't know, man. I think if they drop interest rates, it'll go back up pretty quick. Like yeah. I used to think the real estate market was slower, you know, like prices don't fall as fast and prices don't rise as fast. They don't, I guess, in general, but they are they do move pretty fast within like mm-hmm. a month, you know, or two. Um, so how can the government make it more affordable? First of all, it all comes down to supply and demand. At the very basic of it all, supply and demand. If you're able to create more supply, then, you know, that'll regulate itself in a sense, right? Mm-hmm. Of course, there's issues and a lot of considerations. And the reason why supply isn't created so fast is because there's so many things to do with it. Like, with, yeah. you know, infrastructure can't handle it, mm-hmm. right? From sewers and like, um, you know, roads, even schools, things like that. Even um, environmental preservation as well, too. You don't want to just raise everything and turn it into concrete towers. Yeah. Right. So um, that's why development hasn't been able to create so fast. And then also the nimbyism is probably the biggest thing is a yellow belt. Right. Yellow belt is kind of like that. It's not like the green belt where, you know, above the Oak Ridges, you can't build past because they're trying to preserve, you know, environmental things with yeah. like farmland. And um, I guess if you have a lot of development up north, there's going to be a lot of urban sprawl, which will create more uh, CO2 emissions from cars driving all the way up there. Just right. everyone yeah. just moving further out. And all of a sudden we're just a land of concrete as opposed to farm, you know, where we yeah. sustainably yeah mm-hmm. they talked about like all everything um so descriptively um talking about like the the emissions because everybody's still working in toronto so they gotta travel all the way from up there right um so it sucks it, the plan that dougie um uh, my boy dougie doug ford <laughs> was talking about uh, yeah he was talking about targeting his aggressive plan was to target those those parks first um which, which is a shame, but, like, we don't have a lot of land to work with, so you can see why it's so difficult to actually increase our supply. What do you mean, target those parks? To like, like yeah, just turn parks into no concrete. No way. Is it really doing that? Well, that's what the aggressive plan kind of wow. seemed like it was going towards, but, I again, I don't know what these articles are saying anymore. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people are going to disagree with that. Yeah, they're yeah. Be but anyway, so there's you can see in, in a modern society, like, like a democratic society like Canada where everyone has a say, you know, there's people that love parks and people that don't love mm-hmm. parks and think they don't use it and stuff. Right. So it's a whole bunch of opinions. Whereas you have a one party government, you know, in different parts of the, like Asia or something, they'll just come and say like, nah, we don't need that. And just, yeah. Get rid yeah, of it, right? yeah. Well, not, not as simple as that, but like in a basic kind of idea. Um, so yeah, anyway, back to the yellow belt. So yellow belt is just anything South of that. And where it's all low rise, single family housing or maybe even dual family, but right. basically single family zoning, like the, the houses that you typically see. And um, when you, and when you try to bring a, a building into that community, like even our community where I live right now, yeah. like there's a lot of people oppose the development because they don't want all these random people living there. Seemingly, they don't want the density because it means a lot more like congestion, and you can't find a place to park in your street, and it's not long, no longer safe for the sidewalks for your kids to walk on because there's cars running you over all the time, right? Right, right. Like they don't want to live in downtown Toronto; they want to live up, you know, wherever, right, midtown, wherever they're living, right. And so, a small note, though, like even something like uh, like a wage cap kind of thing, because people moving into those apartments are going to be relatively lower. They don't want that there. Right. right? They don't want this nimbyism, not yeah. in my backyard. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that. And then what the government's trying to do also on top of that, like uh, the municipal government, Toronto government, they're trying to do the laneway housing and, yeah. and garden suites. Is mm-hmm. that or, or Toronto? Anyway, Toronto just voted for garden suites. So you can build like an accessory dwelling unit, ADU is what they call it. So you have another property on your property. And mm. that basically, in theory, if everybody does it, it doubles the amount of population or supply that we have, right? Well. In theory, or even a portion of that. Um, and then you can have potentially even two units in the main house and the one unit in the garden suite, and then potentially even two. And so you could have up to four. I mean, I, I know California does that. They allow four units as of right 
um, into the property land, right? So that would be a way to increase density or lower the prices, make things affordable. Ultimately, um, you know, you might think, why are we continuing to have mass immigration into Canada, 450,000 people per year and, and increasing up to potentially half a million people a year? Well, um, you know, the, I'm sure the federal government made a decision and did some stats can or whoever made that decision to realize that, or at least give the data for it. So our population is aging, right? Mm-hmm. As people get older, the baby boomers, they're... Dying off. Well, yeah, I would say retiring. <laughs> <laughs> retiring. <laughs> retiring. <laughs> they're exiting the workforce and yeah. we need to replace that, right? So right. we don't have a... Shor- we have a shortage of skilled labor. Um, if you try to look for like an electrician or plumber or anything, like a tech worker, even if you're in that field, right? Yeah. It's hard to find good help. You know, like I'm sure you guys have heard that saying, it's hard to find good help. Yeah, all the time. So um, I, I think they're, they're making a decision to say that we need to replace that and grow our population in order to make it thriving, surviving. Because not only is the workforce dying, I mean, the people, like if they're not working, they're not paying taxes. They're not paying taxes. Who's going to support the social security or the older age people mm-hmm. that need that safety net, right? Or even the lower, you know, people below poverty line kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like our social welfare system is going to disappear or it's going to crash healthcare mm-hmm. system. So we need to have immigration, and um, I'm not disputing that. I don't think I don't have the data to dispute that. But ultimately, I think that's that's why we're doing it. So we got to house these people somewhere. And then not not only the people like the the workers, the skilled laborers are coming here. Their families need to come here eventually. Yeah. yeah. So you could see why we have mass immigration problem and a big problem on our hands. And I don't think any one person has the answers to it. And if you do, then you might be too like, you know, partisan or whatever. Yeah. It's not going to please everybody at the end of the day, but uh, I don't think there's a good solution for it. Cheap money will just further divide the wealth uh, wealth gap. It'll make people that have assets have even more assets, and people that don't have it even harder for them to get on the train. But then making money more expensive obviously creates us into a recessionary um, environment. Not even housing, not even house prices coming down, but more so that all other aspects of the economy kind of shrink because of that, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So that's the environment we're in now. And to be honest, it's kind of scary. It's kind of scary because life goes on, like I was saying. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, it is. Um, I mean, so what I was talking to you about earlier, um, it's, it feels like it's, it's <coughs> like a Toronto problem, um, but they can go elsewhere too. Like what about places with more empty lands like Ottawa or something? Yeah, yeah, At least sure. Because it, it sounds, it's generally an Ontario problem. It's not. Or even Canada. I think it's a Canada a problem, really, because our, our house prices are like 10 times the amount of what some of the places in the States are. Yeah. Yeah. Went down to Texas, and it's like you can buy a, a, a detached, like not a mm-hmm. detached, it was like a semi or a townhouse for like 300,000 American. Whereas here, it might be even you know, 2 million, probably something like that, right? Which is crazy. Yeah. Um, and you can get away with like even 200,000. So anyway, so let's call it a tenth of the price, right? So definitely ca- Canada... It's a big problem here. And our debt to GDP ratios, like we're 300 and something percent, 350%, something like that. Debt to GDP. That means Canadians owe over 350% yeah. of what the income is produced. Right? Probably because our mortgage debt is so high Spending and all that. Spending more than what we can actually yeah, make. Yeah, yeah like, and it just don't gets live worse by the means. Well, yeah, I don't know about living. It's just affordability. It's just not there. Like the houses are, house prices are so high. Mm-hmm. But you're right. You can move within Canada... Uh, even within Ontario to find cheaper places. Ottawa is still pretty expensive relative to the income that you make over there because yeah. you also need a job, right? Yeah. 
not everyone just moved to like some small town and call it a day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was know. gonna say obviously people are coming here or Vancouver. Yeah, more like opportunities down here. Right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we're the economic ed- engine of Canada for sure. And if you want to live in Canada, where it's very safe politically, economically, you know, it's good schools, good healthcare, and all that stuff, you're gonna want to live in Canada, and then you're gonna want to live in Toronto because Top that's where the jobs are, right? Mm-hmm. Or Vancouver, or Montreal, or you know, maybe Halifax, Calgary, places yeah. like that. But you know, there's something for everybody. And yeah, you're right. Um, it, you don't have to live in Toronto, but the problem that they're trying to fix, at least the the city of Toronto, is that we don't want a playground for the rich. We don't only want rich people living here because we need a diverse economy. Diversity is always good, you know, as like balance is good in life. Diversity is good in like economic mm-hmm. d- situations, I guess, and everything else, right? It's good mm-hmm. to always have a mix. And like, you know, at the end of the day, like no one's going to take those low wage jobs that we need to, to rely on. At the end of the day. Um, all right. So that being said, how else can we make housing affordable? What have you seen so far? Well, other than just having people trying to get back into the market, but it's just um, collaborating with other people. That's basically it, right? Collaborating. Shacking up like, you know, like a couple oh, I see. like that just to be make them to be able to afford certain things, you know, or like renting out their place. Like, for example, for me, that's what we're going to do. Right, gonna rent out my place and living into one place, so we kind of save money here and there, so we could do other things or, you know, invest in other stuff. Right, so it's like another way of being affordability. So Botter's talking about individual affordability, yeah. And Neil was talking about like overall how to make Toronto more affordable, I guess, mm-hmm. right? And um, oh, another way to make Toronto more affordable is it's really bad, but uh, what another way to do it is continue to pump inflation, continue to print more currency and dilute your currency so that the debt you have right now is going to be worth less because currency is going to be worth less. So say you have a million dollar mortgage, that million dollars will be worth less in the yeah. future, right? Yeah, By makes sense. the currency, if you're looking at a macro perspective. But if you're looking at the individual perspective, yeah, I think shacking up together is a great thing to do um, for investing together or even buying something together. Mm-hmm. There's also that program where the federal government can invest in to help you as a first-time buyer, right? Which, you know, there's controversy on whether it's a good project or not, a good program or not. But they'll invest up to, I forgot, how does that program work? It's the first time buyers, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure, but I, I thought it's just very controversial just because just the rates in general, it's not, it's not well, favorable it's not, all the time. I don't think time. it's that. It's, more, it's not the rates because they're, what they're doing is that they can invest at, at whatever percentage. I think it's 15%. I got to look it up. Mm-hmm. But they can invest with you or maybe it's 10%. But they, they can basically loan you that amount and yeah. they're investing, they're buying into the property with you. With you, yeah. However, okay. now the problem is when you exit, when you sell and the gains that you make, they're going to yeah. realize some of those gains too, right. 10% of the gains or whatever the percentage is, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so will that stop you from renovating your place? Because really you're going to get, you're going to pay 100% of the renovations in, but you only get 90% of the gains. Got it. Right? Yeah. But I guess the same as rent, rental, right? Like yeah. if you're renting the place, you're not going to improve the place anyway because it's not your place. Mm-hmm. You're not going to put capital improvements to it. At, at the same token, they're also, um, if, the, if you lose money, the government will take that 10% hit or whatever percentage that is. However, the CMHC, they just changed it recently where it says maximum of 8%. So if there's an 8% appreciation, I'm sorry, if there's like a 20% appreciation, it'll cap it at 8% that mm-hmm. they get back. And same with the losses too, 8% loss. It doesn't sound too bad. It's not a bad no. program, actually, I think. Um, if you are just trying to strap everything together, together to get into the housing market, like you can afford the mortgage, but you just don't have a down payment. This down payment assistant program, I think, is actually pretty good. Yeah. Uh, if you're a first time home buyer. 
Then there's also the RSP loans where you can borrow from your RSPs. If you stuff your RSPs at least 90 days or more with uh, with money that you can withdraw and pay back within 15 mm-hmm. years, 16 mm-hmm. years, that's also a good one too. And also keep in mind that you don't have to put 20% down or more. You don't have to put 30%. You're not definitely not going to put 20% down if you're a first-time home or if you're just trying to get into the market in general, not first-time home buyers, anybody. Mm-hmm. Right? If it's your primary residence, you can get away with less than 20% down. You can get away with you know five th- 5% up to 500000 um, and the portion from 500 to a million is 10%. Mm-hmm. So a great way to get invested into the market and get into there. And, you know, it doesn't make it affordable though. Cause that just means the more you borrow, the more you pay back for interest and all that. Right. But it's certainly a way to get in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How else can we make it on a micro macro macro level? Mm. I mean, well, okay. So another thing that's happening now is the city of Toronto, you know, everybody's trying to get their hands in the pot, right? Whether it's like, lumber prices like the lumber mills or whatever maybe because they're they're short on supplies so yeah, like, no, it's, like yeah the prices go up or actually come back down now but it's still like materials cost is up right like maybe shipping to bring the materials here is already up so that's up labor's up everyone wants more money right um so construction is definitely up for sure but now the city wants their hand in it too so development levies are going up by i think it's like 50 percent or something like that by this september 50 50, 40 or something, like 40, 50%. Wow. It's going up quite a bit for and new supply of housing. Yeah, and sorry, and aren't there like delays in housing right now? Like some buildings are actually getting delayed because of, because of those uh, prices? Uh, because like, because the supply is so low or like they can't afford it because they, you know, jacked up the prices for for um, construction. Construction, Plus, yeah. I don't think that's why they would delay it because, you know, there's a... No one really puts down, you know. There's definitely a lot of shortages with certain mm. things, right? Yeah, I think it's supply chain issues. And mm. I don't think there are, you know, it, it costs several hundred million dollars to put in, right? So nobody mm. has that in cash. Every developer borrows that money, right? Yeah. Maybe they raise it through their funds, but they, they don't use it. They use borrowed funds. They use bank money funds. They use your money from um, the savings that you put into your bank. Mm. They use your money from like your, your pensions or RSPs that you put in there, right? And they mm. just kind of, it's like funds, right, that are paying for the stuff. Um, and government money as well too, but ultimately they're borrowing that money. So there's an interest cost associated with it. So it's not in their best interest to hold on to it longer and delay things. They want to get paid. Yeah. You know, maybe there is a decision to make that when when interest when where the price is going up and it costs it's cheaper to borrow the money than it is to just hold on to it. But that's such a big risk. And as a developer, your main goal is to eliminate risk, or at least there's a big portion of that anyway to eliminate risk. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, sorry. Just in like with the topic of just supply for housing it just kind of like struck to me i'm like oh indirectly if it's being delayed then that could like i mean affect it too yeah so what <laughs> i mean is that they're not purposely trying to delay yeah. uh, construction but what is happening is that landowners because their prices are so high uh, they don't want to take a haircut on the price which was what the city wants to do with inclusionary zoning and all that kind of stuff what they're trying to do is that um they're not going to build if it costs mm-hmm. too much to build, mm-hmm. if supply chains take too long, if they're not getting the financing to build, because there's a construction cost too. They might own, they might have financing f- to borrow the land, uh, to, to pay for the land that they have, right? The loan on the land. But there's certainly an extra added cost to actually build it when they actually go, right? And they can't just leave a hole in the ground, right? Because your approvals will expire and all that stuff. And it's just not safe and all that, right? So um, I think more developers are just, or landowners are really, or whoever's holding the land, land bankers, they're sitting on land and not developing because it doesn't financially viably make sense. Mm-hmm. When you have projects at 1,800 foot, 1,600 foot, 2,000 a foot in Toronto, right? 1,200 in like the suburbs and people don't buy it, then why would they build, right? And on top of that, you have inclusionary zoning, right? Which you have to make a portion of the building as affordable, affordable. housing, yeah. right? And the profit lines, the profit margins are smaller. They can just, why would they go into 
a project to lose money. They're there to make money at the end of the day. And if they're not going to make as much money and there's too much risk associated with making a smaller amount of money, they're just rather just not do it and hold on to their capital, mm. right? So that whole saying about, you know, all the developers are rich. They're multi-billionaires, millionaires, whatever. They can afford the risk. Why would they? It doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. It's better just to take that money and go on vacation for the rest of your life. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so um, that's the issue why we're not having much supply. And I think as right. everybody's trying to get their hand in the pot, Everybody from like nobody's like everybody needs more money. It's just inflation. That's how it works. There's gonna be less and less supply, and the government's not gonna stop bringing people in because we need to have more people. So it's a big dilemma, and I just personally don't see how it's gonna get more affordable. And I think the only thing you can do in this capitalist society is learn how to make more money for yourself and your family. Yep. Upgrade your skill set, right? Shock up with somebody like you're saying to basically make it more affordable. I guess you could say, right? like there's there's strategies we can use like you know they call it house hacking like basically if you bought a house just say forget about the condo section but like even if you bought a two-bedroom condo or like a house right you rent a a room to a roommate or get a roommate and offset some of that cost right get a multiplex (laughs) right buy a multiplex if you can right like it's not it's not feasible for everybody in toronto yeah i'm sure like maybe a one plus den would be more feasible Mm -hmm. and you rent out the den or you live in the den or or rent out the whole thing altogether and live with your parents while you're, you know, um, letting that equity grow. So yeah. I saw I saw co op housing a lot, at least during the time when the prices were really spiking back uh, last year. Like co living. Um, yeah, right. that that was we saw families shack up together. Yeah, yeah, two, yeah. two separate families. You remember so. that? That was in the newspapers, yeah, right? the no, magazines it, for a while. It like was going crazy. Yeah, two two or three or four families buying a house together and just having your own space and sharing it like your best friends on vacation. Started becoming like very common too. Yeah. Like I've seen quite a few of those. Um, Articles came out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that makes sense too. Like if you have like, let's say I don't know, like me and you were brothers or whatever, mm-hmm. might as well get some a huge house where two families could live in. Mm-hmm. Not to just when time is when you sell, that's when you end up like you know, kind of. This is how much we got it for, and then split the the profits, and then go your way. Right. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Um. So. I guess the other option to make it more affordable is to rent, right? And with rental, the good thing about that is you're going to pay carrying costs no matter what. It's just that you don't have to sink your capital in and you can reinvest that capital into something else. You can put it into some sort of fund and mm-hmm. make 5%, 8%, 10%, 12%, whatever it is, right? Um, and continue renting. That could work as well too. Yep. But you got to keep in mind that when people say interest rates are so high, right? The interest rate on renting is 100%. Yeah. If you think about it, because you're not getting any of that money back. It. Yeah. Right? yeah. Whereas with owning something, yes, you pay a little bit more per month, but then a portion of that, your principal payments, if you're amortizing the mortgage, will go back to your own pocket because it pays off your mortgage. Mm-hmm. At the same time, it also appreciates. You get to potentially see appreciation, potentially. Right. I just don't see how it's going to get any cheaper with money printing, with quantitative easing right now, yeah. when they're diluting the currency to pay off the, the outstanding debt that we have, right, for, as, a, as a country. Right, and also to meet our, our debt payment obligations, so they're going to continue to print more money, and I just think money is worth me worth and worth and worth less and less and less, and everything else is not going to go down. Maintenance costs aren't going to go down. The cost to replace a roof isn't going to go down. The cost yeah. for security in a building or cleaning staff or whatever is not going to go down. So condo fees are going to continue to go up. So I just I, I don't know. I just don't think, and interest rates are on the rise. Sure, that's temporary, maybe hopefully. Um, and then when you have transactions, nobody wants to sell at a loss either, right? No. no. So they're going to continue holding on until it sells higher. Mm-hmm. So I just see prices continue to go up because of that. Especially the, 
the areas that you, that you live in, you know, the out, outer parts of G- GTA, yeah, they're getting hit, but the central part, like the central of Ontario, uh, GTA, they're still selling at a great price. Yeah, yeah, for you sure. Know? So um, it's not like they're losing. Funny enough, I actually had a conversation this morning with somebody about that. Um, they were asking, w- would it be better to invest into a um, a property outside of the GTA, outside of the, the main Toronto core? Hoping for a rebound? That? Well, hoping for rebound, but it's also cheaper. Mm-hmm. Cap rates are generally higher, which which means that you'll get relatively the same amount of income. Uh, but well, okay, so I put this way: the proportion of income to what it costs to buy it <coughs> is a lot higher. So you get more income versus like the prices come like, lower, and the income is either higher or just like you know the ratio is better. Yeah, which is called the cap rate, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so over there, in the outer suburbs, is better. But the way I look at it in Toronto, there's more of a market down here. Mm-hmm. There's more people wanting to live down here. And by default, by extension, there's more people that want to buy here. There's more buyer. There's a bigger buyer pool. Yeah. Right? And when you have a bigger bar- buyer pool and bigger market, you generally have higher prices. Right. With the fixed amount of competition or fixed amount of supply. Right? So um, I, I personally would rather buy in a lower cap environment where prices appreciate more or tend to appreciate more because more people want to be here. Right. Than going out there and taking a risk on that. Sure, you might get better cash flow. Sure, it might service that might service a little bit better. Well, the problem is I just don't know what the upside is. And when the market turns a little bit and when the market shifts, guess what's happening? Guess this is the first one to shrink in price. And we see it right now. Yeah, we see it outside right Outside. Yeah. Because there's less and less Suburbs buyers for out there. Sure. Yeah, there's exactly. less market share out there. Especially now everything's opening up. Everyone's going back to work. People are going back to the office. So it's like no one's really running out to the West. I'm yeah. sorry. And why are offices yeah. downtown? Because it's wonderful to be downtown. There's like so much, even between companies, you have so much collaboration. Yeah. Like, you know, if you're a bank, you want to be yeah, close B2B, to B2B. Right. B2B, business to business is all there, right? You want to be close to the bank. You want to be close to the software companies. You want to be, you know, it's yeah. all integrated. Plus the lifestyle is so much better here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? You own a club. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> but he pretty much does. So, I mean, like, at the end of the day, like, it's so nice to be down here, and that's why there's going to be a big population. And I, I just, I don't know. It's a recipe for growth. I just, I can't see it stopping unless the government intervenes, which they're doing, but it's just a temporary lid on inflation, on price appreciation. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to be there forever. No. Yeah. Ultimately, the question you know, is just, it always goes back to, or what are they going to do? <clears throat> Sorry. Which is basically like, hopefully, increase supply. <laughs> Yeah, uh, whatever plan they have. And also on top of that, supply doesn't increase that fast. By the time yeah. you get all approvals, because you got to deal with, you know, um, naysayers and people saying no for, you know, everybody has a voice, right? So like, there's a reason why they want to hear, you know, if you put an application out there, you're going to have your chance to put public opinion in there, right? And they want to get certain things like parks in, in uh, return or whatever, yeah. infrastructure built out. They want to have time to do that, right? Um, so minimum, you're going to take five years to build a condo project. Mm-hmm. And for a house, like a house, you're going to be at least a year and a half, yeah. maybe two years. By the time it's going to take everything. a while. It, yeah, I saw the article. It did say like, I forgot what the number was, three million homes or whatever by 2035. So it's a while from now. Oh, yeah, yeah. So that was yeah. in the news like today, right? Yeah. All the, all the articles. That's right. And we cannot keep up with the pace of supply mm-hmm. of building. So yes, everybody's losing, uh, freaking out right now, losing their shirt, thinking that price is going to go down. But I'm saying in the long run, it'll, as an investor, if you hold property, continue holding, and in fact, continue acquiring more. And yes, it might cost you more in the short term to, um, you know, as interest rates go up and prices come down. So, okay, n- another question I get a lot today, I got today was, should I buy now? What should I do with my money? I'm sitting on a million bucks. What should I do with that money? Right? It's really uncertain right now because 
interest rates are so high, it's going to cost mm-hmm. you so much to carry it. And you might not be able to afford it because the um, prices are coming down, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, they may not appraise and your qualification might be a little bit higher, right? Your, your qualification, like you might qualify for less, so you're purchasing less, really. Um, so what should you do? Should you wait or buy now? So I said to the guy was that I think it's probably better to weigh out your options, figure out how much you can actually afford, but don't be afraid of buying now because you can always get a short-term loan, like a one-year fixed rate mortgage from a bank if you want to go a bank if you go to b bank if you want to you get a three-year loan i don't care Mm -hmm. go variable and then when rates come back down which eventually they will have to i'm pretty sure they will come back down. i don't know if they'll have to but they probably will come back down eventually or a year or so i would say have to because like we're so used to like low rates but um even if they do come down a little bit you can refinance then at that point Mm. tighten your belt for the next couple years right just get in because i think the fundamentals all signs are pointing to prices continue to go up because it comes back to supply and demand at the end of the day yep with fixed supply or just move out of the country. Just get out of here. Just <laughs> escape the problem, right? I mean, anybody can do that. You can just go back to wherever you're from. You know what I mean? Just go. But immigration is not easy and a whole yeah. bunch of things, right? So, yeah, leaving your family and all the roots that you're planted down here is, is difficult. Yeah, we're not we're not trying to be gloomers um, to everyone, by the way. It's <laughs> it's we're, we're in a great country and a great city. So, and, and that's there's reasons why we have these problems because we're such a great city slash country, right? So mm-hmm. <laughs> any major city I think is not affordable. Mm-hmm. You look around the world, if it's a world-class city, the people that own property are only the people that are not like they're intergenerational wealth. In other words, so you don't look at an amortization of a mortgage in 25 years, 30 years, you look at through generations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Passing it down to the generations. That's how it works. You can only own in Paris if you've been there for you know, three generations or you make a lot of money or something or whatever, right? But ultimately, it's passed down. Otherwise, it's a rental city. Mm-hmm. And Toronto is becoming a rental city. Not even a rental city, a roommate city. Mm-hmm. Oh, like New York. <laughs> right, right, right. You, you see those videos where living in a... I said it to you. Right? Yeah, li- they living live in, in a closets. 300 square foot condo, yeah. right? Like, <laughs> That's how? crazy. How do you live there? <laughs> I mean, the studio is here. No, it was 150 square foot. Mm-hmm. Remember, it was like... It was oh, oh, that was, was 59. No, it was it's oh, it very really tiny. Yeah, yeah, but some most of them don't even have like do you have you have they to use have a shared bathroom. bathroom. Yeah, it's yeah, a dorm sure. room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's yeah, an it's amenity. Yeah, <laughs> I heard a crazy. concept called the beehive concept. Somebody told me this before, uh, and they're trying to justify this London housing where you'd have like um, um, a beehive where you kind of go there and everything's kind of there. And then if you want to go your outside, you want a bathroom. You have shared bathrooms in the hallways, shared laundry. Actually, one of the buildings in Toronto has a shared laundry. Seven hundred five King, whatever it is, seven hundred one King. So, yeah, so those ones. Yeah, 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 yeah. Some twenty-five. They're older yeah. ones, right? Yeah. Yeah. The, um, yeah. uh, what, are, what is that? The summit. The summit. Yeah, the yeah, summit. yeah, yeah. So, um, not to call out the building or anything, but like, there's buildings that have, and I think there's going to be more of a concept is less and less amenities. No in-suite laundry. You have a shared co- uh, common floor laundry. Mm-hmm. Let alone buildings in New York, for example, where they don't even have laundry in their units. Right. You have to go to the laundry mat downstairs yeah. around yeah. the corner. Yeah. In fact, there's someone who will bring it to you, which is probably even better, in my opinion. Yeah. But Save the problem with New York now is that they have walk-ups. We don't have no walk-ups here. Can you imagine that? Mm-hmm. An elevator is an amenity. Yeah, you'd have well. to walk up otherwise. Walk up six stories. Yeah, that's yeah, crazy. Oh, I'm good. You know what I mean? And bring your laundry down, or someone else. So actually, so someone out there when I was when I was out there, um, they said that they, the laundry service that they had only walked up four flights. After <laughs> that, you're on your own. <laughs> so they would just drop it off in the fourth floor. Like no, <laughs> they come pick it up. They come pick it up. That's such a funny yeah. But I don't know like if you're on the sixth thing. floor. Like you're screwed. Yeah. What do you do, right? Yeah. Like you Meet me on the fourth up. floor. <laughs> you gotta find a task rabbit or somebody to bring your laundry down. You know what I mean? Like that sucks. Yeah. But you know, Toronto versus New York. I kind of like New York better, to be honest. Like it's kind of cool to live in as a tourist, not to live in as a. 
person. Yeah. At the end of the day, if I think about it, yeah, that does help affordability too, right? Having the amenities separate um, or not having that exclusive laundry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no dormant, no gym, no, yeah. no concierge, no amenity space that we're all used to now, no pool. You know, definitely keep affordability for sure. Because like even in condos with uh, without pools, their maintenance fee is cheaper. You know, uh, not all. Of them. I don't know, most man. Of them, most I don't know. Yeah, they usually. Okay, so everybody thinks that pools are are run up maintenance fees. Sure, they do. But I've been on the board for ten years for two buildings, and we both have pools in them, and they don't actually cost that much. There's a couple. There's a bit of repairs and maintenance. There's a bit of, um, you know, extra utilities. Actually, mm-hmm. a lot of more extra utilities. There's some policing they have to do with like security guards and all that stuff. And there's some, you know, like decking things you got to replace once in a while. But like, it doesn't really cost that much more to run it, right? The reason why is because you have a lot more, like buildings with pools generally have more people. And we have mm. more people, you have more cost to share um, costs, really, right? So it's not like you have a 100-unit building. Like I don't know of any 100-unit buildings that have pools in them. Like That's just crazy. It's c- kind of like an individual, like in a, in a single person and a single house. To put a pool in there, you might outweigh the cost. You're like, ah, it's going to cost me X amount of dollars. Mm. I don't think I'm going to do it. It's going to cost me X amount to run it. Maybe not. But if you share it with 10 people... Hey, maybe it's not a bad idea. Maybe what happens if you share with 300 units, 400, 600 units, 700 units? Oh, yeah, true. Sense. Makes sense. Yeah. Right? So um, if you look at a boutique building with a pool with a lot of amenities, you bet your ass the maintenance fees are going to go up. But if you're looking at a three, 400, 500 unit condo with a pool, yeah, it's nothing, honestly. Cool. I never thought of it that way. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so, you know, but then there comes with own challenges, right? You yeah. live now with 300 other people, yeah, right? Course, and then, course. you know, elevators always breaking down. And yes, there's <laughs> a certain ratio t- of people t- or units to elevators that they have that city mandates. Um, you know, so, but the thing is they all break down as we know, right? And yeah, know, elevator repair people are really hard yeah. to find. The unions are, you know, there's only so many people that go into the trade in the first place. And then when they're in the trade, they're kind of, uh, you know, hold us hostage, <laughs> right? So... It is what it is. Anyway, these are the facts of life that we got to deal with, mm-hmm. the constraints you have to deal with. There's nothing's ever perfect. It would be nice to live in your parents' basement forever and not have to pay, f- or house or whatever, I shouldn't say basement, and <laughs> never have to pay rent, never have to live on your own. But unfortunately, life happens. Your family might grow. It might shrink. It might grow. And you'll need to adjust your house accordingly, like little yeah. turtles and shells. 100%. Sinks, or what do you call them? Aquariums. <laughs> anyway, thanks for listening. Let's end off on a positive note. What do you want to say? Um, Life is beautiful. Toronto's great. (laughs) (laughs) It's long weekend this weekend here. Um, Have fun. All the best. Yeah. Hope you guys have a great long weekend and enjoy all the wonderful things that Toronto has to have uh, offer if you're here in the city. It should be a good weekend too. Just make sure you you don't drink somewhere. If I was somewhere else, that'd be a problem. But because we're here in Toronto, there's a lot of stuff to do in Canada. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you go to Cottage this week? Or you were just Um, there? No, I went. Well, I went to Midland, like up north, uh, a couple hours north. But uh, there was no restaurants, so. Oh, no. No Uber Eats. <laughs> no they got Popeyes, though, you said. Oh, they no. have Popeyes. Popeyes. <laughs> no jerk chicken delivered to your door. Ooh. Yeah, so privileged. <laughs> See, that's why this, this is why it's hard to leave the city, that's really. Or did, more at least the GTA. You know what? At the end of the day, if you listen to the news, um, at certain parts of the news, it's, it can be very negative. And yeah. life can be very negative. And, yeah. you know. Uh, you just got to make the best of it. Realize what your situation is. Realize that we're grateful even to be standing on Canadian soil in the first place where we're relatively safe, mm-hmm. you know, and, and no other country is going to invade us or anything like that, right? You know, mm-hmm. that's really sad. But, like, honestly, it's it's a great place to be. So be grateful and be happy about that. And yep. uh, you'll kind. own nothing and be happy. No, I'm joking. What? Be kind. <laughs>
<laughs> be kind. That's it. Yeah, we're not trying to put any like gloomy news on everybody or or be all like doomsday kind of vibes with our with our yeah. podcast. It's it's kind of how it turned out to be a little bit. But, but like, how, there's a this, lot of positives. It, though we're, we're being real. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's not censored podcast. You know what? A way to look at it, like I look at positive the positive side of it because I think. Okay, it's tough for a person to be able to get into the market. I get it. And it might not be, it might be out of reach for a lot of Canadians. I totally understand. But if you have the mindset to go chase and go get more, you have the ability to work and, and learn more and do more with your life, why not make it a stretch goal? Why not make it a goal that you eventually one day you'll own something? Mm-hmm. See, that's, if that's why, what you want. That's why we had our last podcast. If you listen to it, uh, we give financial advice. And in that way, you how can learn how to you think differently and yeah. learn how to. Uh, work on like a, co- a compound effect and make enough money, finally get your first place. And then over then, it's just, it compounds. It literally, yeah, it's, it's it, like it a pinata. The first person that hits it doesn't break. The second person that hits it doesn't break. Third, fourth, the fifth person might take a little slight swing and breaks. Does that mean the first person is strongest? No, it's just the constant hits and compounding, like you said, and savings, blah, blah, blah will get you there, right? You know, that's unlimited money glitch right there. <laughs> it's actually true because co- the compounding effect happens so fast. And I never really understood why when you get to your older age, it's like, how does anybody afford a million dollar home or whatever it is, right? It's because they start it somewhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They start, they get on that ladder, they trade up, and they trade up and trade up and trade up and continue trading until you get to that point where it's like, Oh, cool. No problem. It's just numbers now. I always try to say to my clients too. I'm like, just look at it this way as like a, like a layover on your airplane. You know, you're not in your final destination yet. You're just kind of staying in layover, and then once you get to the last final plane, and you get to your destination. It's always a journey. Yeah, yeah. Life is journey. That's yeah. Un- unless if it's given to you, then it's, sure, not everyone gets that right. So it's like, right. You got to start from somewhere. There's literally videos on YouTube. Maybe we could put this in the uh, podcast only because it's it's getting long. But the uh, there's literally a video on YouTube where some guy starts with like a penny and he just keeps moving up. Oh, there's you so keep many trading different videos. Yeah, even oh, TikToks. Yeah, yeah. yeah, they tr- start with a paperclip. Yeah. They keep trading until they get to their goal: a car, yeah. a house. Yeah. Concept. At the end of the day, it's all about hard work. Grind, yeah. perseverance, having the end in sight and just continue reaching your goals, having smart goals mm-hmm. and, and going to get it and uh, stay positive. You're right. Because life is hard and uh, we got to make the best of it. Yep. So, all right. Thanks for watching this long. I can't believe you're actually still here. Uh, enjoy. <laughs> See you later. Watch Bye. the next one. Gotta go. Oh, by the way, if you liked this podcast, don't forget to subscribe. Follow us on Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, everywhere else. Everywhere Google. else. We have a couple more episodes to watch or to listen to. Uh, so always stand by because we come out with a new episode weekly. All right. Thanks. Add it up.